0: hey there everybody welcome to another episode of amplify your business today i'm talking to jess mccarter he is the co-founder of base 86 but let me read this bio because this guy is the definition of a serial entrepreneur he's done it all or and then some i think and also is an incredible skier loves talking about skiing we just spent i don't know 20 minutes probably talking about that But let me get into the intro here. So Jess has bounced around between geographies and careers. He has primarily focused on real estate development, technology development, and the food businesses. And he loves anything that combines all three. He is currently the co-founder of Base86.com, like I mentioned. It's a healthcare supply chain optimization software as a service or SaaS company, as well as the operating owner of 24 Main, a bar and restaurant in Historic Downtown New Albany, Ohio, which he begrudgingly created because they needed a restaurant instead of traveling 40 minutes to get anything really good and non chain. So that's exciting. He also has had exits like RideBid, which was a Bay Area Uber competitor that was acquired by the Taxi and Limousine Commission. He's had failures, though, as well as all this entrepreneurs seem to bump into from time to time, too. Uh, like Sagebit, which unsuccessfully competed with YouTube in the early days of user-generated video content online and was definitely not acquired by Google. Um, So so sorry to hear that because that would have been a pretty cool uh, acquisition as well. Uh, But through it all, he focuses on how to uh, make what is now better and what is next sooner. So welcome to the show, Jess.
1: Hey, Lance, thank you so much for the introduction. I appreciate being here.
0: Yeah, so that is a long list of some companies, and I know there's a lot that are not included within that sheet. So the stories that you're going to be able to share with us, I just cannot wait. But first, I want you to tell me and the audience, what are three things that you've learned along the way in your entrepreneurial journey that you think every entrepreneur really needs to know or understand?
1: Everyone is focused on either their initial idea or if they run into trouble, the pivot. Um, I think people need to be less afraid of failure. So rule one is don't be afraid to fail. Um, And and failure has to be something you learn from. Um, Instead of rushing to a pivot, I mean, when you're young, when you're starting your first business, you need to keep a few things in mind. The first is that you're likely to start several other businesses. Even if your first business is incredibly successful, you will have other passions, other interests, other opportunities and you'll start new things. So don't be afraid of that first business failing and don't be in a rush to pivot that first business. Now don't hold on to it for a decade as it struggles because you, you know you're better than that. But get out there, don't be afraid of failure and don't be too focused on taking what you have already, pivoting and you have to make it successful the first time you are an entrepreneur for the long haul. So you need to hold on to everything you're successful at, and you also need to hold on everything you fail at and use those to inform what's coming next. So don't pivot too soon, don't fail. Go
0: ahead. No, I was just gonna say, I really, really like that one. And before you move on to the next one, I I just wanted to make a comment there because it's one of the things I think that you're trying to say too, is don't really identify yourself too much with that business. Yeah, it's, it's cool to identify as an entrepreneur, but this is one of the problems I think that we as entrepreneurs often have is we hold on too tight to the business and allow that to kind of define who we are. And then it's so much more difficult to let go of those when they are failing or struggling or so on uh, instead of just you know learning, taking the lessons and then moving that into something else.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely entirely. Even some yeah. of the most famous entrepreneurs of our age, if you look at a Jeff Bezos an Amazon, yeah. that is someone, Amazon w- was a bookstore when I was in college, right? Amazon is not just a bookstore anymore. Amazon is now so many other businesses. You could spin off Amazon web services. AWS spun off on its own would be a multi-unicorn, multi-billion dollar business. In fact, many yeah. people argue that Um, Amazon shareholders are kind of being (laughs) changed by the fact that they're holding that as one conglomerate. Jeff Bezos has also started Blue Origin, the rocket ship company that's doing space tourism and, um, uh, you know, etc. That's one example of one person who's been a successful entrepreneur who's famous for only one company. But that one company, A, wasn't his first company. B, that one company is not doing anything like what it it started with. And it's not because of pivots. It's literally because he's started another hundred companies. Yeah. They just happen to all be within that one company's name. um, Don't, don't, don't associate yourself with your one entrepreneur. There's no one entrepreneurial effort unless you, your life is tragically cut short Every entrepreneur will have the opportunity to be involved in dozens of companies, both the ones they start directly, the ones that once they are successful or once they have established a reputation for themselves, they'll be involved in many other companies that they found themselves, that they are brought in to consult on, that friends say, like, I've seen your success. I'd like to your advice on things as an advisor, as a business founder, and as, as a, someone who is a, a worker and a creator at heart, every entrepreneur is a creator at heart. You'll be involved in dozens of companies so yeah if you'd like actually distill that down and said don't pivot too soon don't be afraid of failures mm-hmm. don't think that you're going to be associated with a single thing for your existence you know, yeah i've got a dozen companies under my belt at this point there's yeah. not one that i'm more they, and then i don't know i if you don't have children and you're listening to this you might not understand but if you've got kids you'll understand y- once you have one, you could probably have dozens. They, you, once you learn what you're doing, once you know how to impart skill and wisdom, once you realize that your heart is infinitely capable of love, you know, if you have the economic resources and the desire, you could have as many kids as you want. And likewise with businesses. And there's not one child that you love the most. You love them all. And there's not one child you're most identified with, right? You know, even LeBron James's you know, father, even, you know, Justin Trudeau's father, also prime minister, um, you know, he, they're, They're not just famous for who they are or that one child. You're going to be the sum of all of your experiences. And they're not just your entrepreneurial experiences. They're going to be your travel experiences, your, um, your friend experiences, your emotional experiences. You have so many opportunities for growth. And all of that growth will feed back into your business and all of your business will feed back into your personal. So that leads me into what my point two was, which is that. Everyone will tell you, hustle, hustle, hustle. Yeah, by all means, hustle. You need to build your business. But keep in mind that hustling can be quitting the day early and going to your kid's performance. I literally jogged from my morning. You know, I do a site meeting at 24 Main on Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Eastern time. And that meeting happened to start at 9 a.m. And at 9.15, my five-year-old was in a parade at his preschool. His preschool happens to be about a three minute, very fast run, like flat out sprint from where that meeting was. Yeah. In a hard hat in winter in Ohio, in this actual sweater, but with a big green wool overcoat, I sprinted from that meeting. I said, Hey guys, ask me questions first. I need to leave for a little bit, but I will be right back. I sprinted to that. I watched that child walk in his parade in his little outfit and be all happy. They went this way they went, that way they waved for the camera. It was over in ten minutes, and then I sprinted back. I was gone for less than twenty minutes during this hour meeting. I answered my questions up front, and I came back for my follow up, and I stayed a little bit late. You don't have to make sacrifices. You don't have to give up a personal life to be a successful entrepreneur. You know, so step step one is don't think that you are only one business or only one opportunity. Step two is. Don't think that you have to grind, 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 only at that business. You are all of the things, the business, the family, the opportunity, the travel, the people you meet. You also take those things to inform the business and make it better. And the third lesson um, that I would love to share with everyone is that um, you are not magic. You are not the only reason your business is going to be successful. No, that there is no, uh, there are very few, few truly self-made entrepreneurs who literally build the business themselves and don't have input from anyone else. You are the input from your community. You are the quality of schools in your local neighborhood and who you can recruit to work for you. You are how you are not just as a business leader, but as a mentor. Great, be a fantastic entrepreneur. You can't be that fantastic entrepreneur if you're not mentoring people and bringing people up behind you to fill in that business business, to grow that business and to make it successful. So, you know, step three is, you're not, not just one company, you're not just work, but you alone can never be the solo entrepreneur. You will need to trust and depend on other human beings. And the only way to get that done is to trust them, to bring them in, to make them part of the process, to educate them, to share your goals with them, right? As a leader, as a visionary, it's not just that you can see an outcome but that you are not so dedicated to one particular process to get to that outcome. That process is not just you to get to that outcome. You can realize that there's five, 10 hundred other people who have their whole different processes and ways of looking at the world. But if you can get them to buy into your outcome, to your vision, to your, to your goal, then all of those processes will combine to get there.
0: Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying there. And it kind of it takes me back to I, I just want to quote something that you said before we hit the, uh, the record button. And that was that you've you've never done it alone yourself and you never do just one venture at a time, which yeah. I think is really, really interesting. But but just tying it back into what you just said there around uh, you're not magic. Don't think that you are. Um, you want to lean on the other people, surround yourself with capable people and really let them empower them, lead them uh, to, to the abilities that they have, let them showcase and become who they, they can be. Right. It's
1: not just, it's not just share the glory. It's give the glory. Like you, you don't you're, you're, you, once you realize first that it's not the one business or one identity, you're going to have multiple businesses and multiple identities and multiple roles. And once you realize that it's not just work, it's, it's the 360, it's all of life. It's the travel, it's the family, it's the friends, it's the education. It's the, all of the parts that make you, you yeah. make your business, your business. And that business is full of other people and they are ultimately more important than you because you, you, you know, think of any business you're doing, you could be The most successful dog walker dog walkers in New York city are making 120 K a year right now. Just solo entrepreneurs just out walking the dogs because there's so many pandemic dogs that came in during COVID and New York city is a city of 10 million people. It's a huge population, a huge amount of dogs. You can make a killing as a solo entrepreneur in New York city, walking that dog and you will never do better than right now. It that it's, this is your peak. And then it's going to dissipate because Those dogs are going to age. Those dogs are going to pass away. Life has returned to normal. People aren't getting pets at the same rate. And so you alone have reached your peak really through no skill of your own necessarily, just through luck and timing. And now what are you going to do? You're going to have to start a new business and that business is going to have to rely on other people because none of us succeed
0: in a bubble. So one of the things though, that I I'm really curious about, because I mean, I've talked to a lot of serial entrepreneurs, but I've never, I don't think talked to anybody who was really, um, able to keep, and it's and it almost intentionally, I, I think, uh, keep multiple businesses going at the same time with multiple co-founders and so on. Um, that, 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 I've never heard anybody say that that was their, their approach. So, I'm curious, what are some of the um, advantages of that versus some of the disadvantages that you've found as you've gone through multiple different ventures?
1: Okay. Um, the two things really pop into my head immediately. Um, in terms of businesses, especially when you start with small businesses, you, you rapidly find out um, if they exist in the physical world that um, they that you can often start auxiliary businesses that will benefit the main business. So I got my starting in in mixed use commercial and residential real estate development. And we had this uh, space right next to a new transportation corridor in Southern California. It had new commuter rail service, and it had a a population of people who were coming to it for the weather, for the geography, for the proximity to the beach, uh, but who also were used to living and working in a larger downtown area. And what they wanted was walkable non-suburban living experiences and so we were building these next to train corridors and, and and the new train depots that are part of the commuter rail that was built and um so we built out the space it's got residential above it's got commercial on the ground floors and what it's lacking is a vibrancy and, a, and a, a natural connection between those two spaces and we have this large outdoor area that's a parking lot it's like wait a second we also have parking here and parking here we can do underground parking why don't we take this parking lot that's city in the center between kind of the core of the commercial space and the core of the residential space let's get rid of it now what can we do with it and so we're we're sitting in a meeting over tea tea is great for provoking thought everyone's like coffee coffee energy energy um relax a little bit get some tea get a different influence into your thinking you know so we went from our very western mode of thought to a more eastern mindset and we settled on the Japanese model, the Koretsu model, where, um, there are multiple companies, all with a similar ownership structure that are mutually symbiotic with one another. Sometimes they run out of the same physical location, or sometimes they're, they're spread apart. And we're like, well, what kind of Koretsu model can we do here in this development? We realized that we could repurpose that parking lot area, turn it into a communal area that could causes people to look up from the surroundings, to slow their cars down, to walk over from the commuter rail station and look at it by doing an outdoor art garden and mm. instead of just buying a bunch of art and putting a bunch of landscaping in we did a whole collaboration with some other enterprises that we were either personally involved with or we were friends with and so we brought in a landscape company that specialized in waterworks and fountains that do a, a living stream we brought in um, a local plant company to plant everything uh, everyone got um signs there and then we, we i contacted you know, this is in San Diego, California, which is the eighth largest city in America, but not even the top 50 for public artworks. And so it had a dearth of public art. I went to the, the Art Institute. I went to the local artist guild. I went to the museum. I asked about people that specialize in outdoor art. Um, and we got uh, 25 top art producers in the area to uh, bring their pieces in representationally as part of a, a gallery that operated right. basically as a not-for-profit because it just needed to cover its costs. Because it's raison d'etre was to, to create this communal space that brought people up and in from the peripheries to this development. And next thing you know, we have the thriving, you know, one of its first of its kind outdoor art garden galleries in Southern California called No was it There was no foofy stuff. There was no, like, English tea garden. There was no uh, uh, no uh, ornate uh, cast, you know, uh, iron benches. And there was no uh, little boys peeing fountains. It was, it was, all, it was all artist-inspired craft work and and it had a weird name and people were like what the hell does that mean and they saw the signs they saw the art uh they saw the landscaping from the street and so people were walking up and walking through and and visitors were coming to visit the residences they walk up to the residences and they see this experience whether it's closed or open they can still walk through it because we're talking about you know we're not talking about things you can just pick up and take with you we're talking about large sculptures and and installation art and all these things that you know, are safe to be on display 24-7. And so it became a 24-7 part of the lived and built environment. And that one business was something that was easy to operate as a, a, what they call side hustle these days. You know, everyone's yeah, their yeah side really
0: hustle. cool. Well, it, and, and so something an that doesn't sound sure. connected to what you were doing, you know, before, obviously there is a connection to it. You managed to make that, you know, that not, not really a pivot, but a complimentary, but it, it, very very different kind of business right? we
1: had a problem we had not enough foot traffic in the middle of this area that you know was was it was being populated by people who specifically were looking for for live work experiences for walkableness, for non-suburban even though this was a you know suburban coastal beach city like as you know surf bum town and the people who are moving from downtown who lived on this commuter rail wanted something like downtown and we're like well how can we do this for you, without blowing our budget. Because it wasn't in—we didn't think about this part of it. We didn't have that calculated in the initial business.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: It's like, well, how can we do this in a way that is without raising fees on the residential side, without trying to get all the commercial tenants to contribute to it? What can we do that will benefit everyone? We'll have more foot traffic for the commercial tenants. It'll have a more pleasant living experience for the residential tenants, and we, just over tea, we're like. Oh, this green tea is really good. Oh, Japan. Oh, Koretsu. Oh, related business. Oh, we could put an art gallery in the middle of this thing. It would be not much additional startup. Um, we can even do, as we're doing our regular rounds for our normal business day, we can just carve out 10, 15 extra minutes. Let's, you know, this is, this is the birth of the internet. This you know, started in 1999. And so we still use what was called the Thomas Guide. I don't know what the Canadian equivalent is, but it, it was just a, a, a map book. And it, and had these quadrants. And so we'd simply use the Thomas guide to look up, um, to see within five minutes of any place we had to do a business meeting, what were any other art related things that were there. So we're doing a business meeting for the commercial real estate development business. And it's like, great. I finished that business meeting. I've got a parked car. I'm walking on my feet. What can I walk to in five to 10 minutes? That is anything related to art. And then we, within a few business meetings, we've made all of these contacts in their world, it explodes into its own business. That is completely an enhancement to the existing primary business is another entrepreneurial endeavor and it doesn't require a lot of extra effort. It was a, literally once we got started on the idea, a little no brainer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That does sound, sound, very, very interesting. So I I'm curious because you did mention like some of the failures that you've had along the way and the value of failure. And so um, I, I'm curious from your experiences as you've gone through some of the failures um, how does one, I guess, not allow that to impact, you You know, your psyche and, and your confidence and, and everything else. How do you take it and really leverage the learning that comes from that failure? That's an excellent question. Um, well,
1: so there are very few entrepreneurs I feel who can pull off doing multiple tech companies at once. It's quite difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, you know uh, at jack running twitter and square at the same time yeah that you know uh, some have argued that twitter suffered a little bit once he moved on to square and then moved on from 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 credit card processing to blockchain uh you well, know and now
0: he's getting back into it i don't know if you heard but he's he's starting another blue skies uh,
1: blue skies uh, yeah. actually spun off from twitter before, uh, yeah. before yeah. well before the sale to Elon and and that was yet another back burner business for him that he, he's now moving forward with. And and it, it fits with his ethos. Yeah. And, and it fits with what I was talking about at the beginning, like lesson one is you will be more than one business. Yeah. This, this might end up being something that's bigger and more famous than either Square or Twitter. You might yeah. be known for blue skies and for this framework of interconnected social networks. That might be the thing he's famous for in 50 years. But um, Jack Dorsey aside, Elon Musk aside has also had many successful software businesses. My biggest failures have come when instead of a Koretsu model or a complementary model, I've tried to do two similar businesses simultaneously. And um, I don't have any twins myself, but I have some friends who are raising twins and it's not that they're bad parents. It's not anything else. the pressure of doing times two at once is too much for most people. Parents that can pull off successful twin raising, my heart goes out to them. Entrepreneurs that can do two technology companies at once and grow those both simultaneously. My heart goes out to them. Um, you know, ride mm-hmm. ride bit and sage bit at the same time was too much. Mm-hmm. Um and and it was hard to steer when you have multiple companies that are early to market, right? So uh we launched SageBit two years before YouTube launched we launched RideBid almost a uh, year and a half before uber incorporated and well before you know uber incorporated in late 08, early nine but didn't really gain traction or any market investment or momentum until 2011. um you know we're trying to do this model of reverse auction ride bidding bidding, bidding on especially business travel black mm-hmm. car travel from airports to to office locations um yeah. and it was literally like people had just gotten the first smartphones in their hands. It wasn't BlackBerry optimized. Almost everyone in business travel was on BlackBerry or still pulled out their laptop and, and either, you know, tethered in or had a, had a, had a, one of those cards that went on the side for, for internet and would, would, would launch their real web browser on their windows thing with their little internet card in the side. and
0: And it was still dial up. Right. And, yeah.
1: and, uh, and it was basically dial up speed or even slower yeah. over cellular networks. Yeah. Um, and it, 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 was, it was very early and it was a hard push to move that forward. And at the same time we're trying to move forward a, a video concept that was frankly, before people had ready access to, uh, we had digital recorders at that point when everyone had camcorders recorded digitally, but the, the ability to easily click and send that to a uh, consumer or enterprise grade video distribution source was not there. That network yeah. didn't exist in 05 when we started. Um, and um, so trying to do simultaneously two early to market technology startups, overwhelming, there's no way to get both of those to success. It was, we, I was biting off way more than I could chew. Um, and so you know i i more power to anyone that could do both of those at once but you know i didn't see um elon pulling off the x.com paypal merger at the same time he was acquiring tesla at the same time he was buying twitter that those actually happened over 20 years um you know we were try in three years we tried to do two giant giant technology plays they weren't at all in any way, shape, or form combinatorial. And they both relied on technologies that hadn't been perfected. They both relied on on mobile first technology that was in its infancy and it was not one to adopt And so to try yeah. to to think that like, well, I'm already pushing one company through this channel that's early adopter, why not push a second? You know, totally non-complimentary. You know, one's <laughs> business focused and one is consumer focused. One is, you know, one is entertainment-focused and one is travel-focused. You're like, oh, entertainment travel, they're, they're related. That's yes, not the business travel and and entertainment are not interrelated. There's no synergies. There's no combinatorial advantages. There's no overlap between the two groups of people I was working with. They literally had nothing in common. And I was doing 18, 20-hour days, burning myself out um, for no good reason. There was yeah. absolutely no hope of success. Pushing so- one early stage, one, one early to market company across the finish line, astronomically impossible. Trying to do two simultaneously, absolutely stupid.
0: Yeah, yeah. Cool. So, so you recognize the the challenges, the in the reason for the failure. But how do you not let that deflate you, so that you still have the energy, the desire, the 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 stamina, the uh, perseverance to well, to, to the, keep pushing forward with the, the, being an entrepreneur.
1: The flip side of that coin is the recognition that, um, it, it's not, it is a failure and it even is a personal failure to, to have that ambition, to think you can do those two things simultaneously, but to look at it and go, okay, I see that these are both failing. I have the chance to rescue one. Which one am I more passionate about that same process of being burned out? Burning out is the same process that reinvigorates you. Because as you're looking at these failures happening, and you, you've got two failures going simultaneously, and you have to pick one, and you can pick for there's so many easy ways to pick. Um, one of them happened to be physically located in the geography I was living in and loving, which is the San Francisco Bay Area, and one was not. One um, happened to be um, closer to something I needed day to day and thought was useful day to day, and that was the business uh, and the travel and one was not. And so you you have to look at loss as inevitable. No 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 bull market lasts forever. The bears always come around. No um you know no uh, uh it, it, no no economy ever escapes recession or depression. They always happen. Everything in life is cyclical. Yeah. And then we're born, we live, we die. And they you know, if you want to go back to the, the some of the origins of philosophy, the Stoics said, Hey, we're gonna die. Let's just think about that. Let's think about it maybe even on a daily basis. Let's embrace that it's gonna happen so that it's not scary. Let's just acknowledge it exists and will happen. We will not be as scared of it, and then we can go on living and succeeding. And so, in the midst of overwork and burnout, um, I just had this moment where I'm like, Yo, know, I can only be with one of these companies. I can only make one success. I'm going to have to pick. I'm going to have to stop working 18 or 20 hour days before I drop dead or before I get so burnt, so tired of this, I just walk away from it and try something completely different. I mean, you, you have this moment of clarity and there's only two human reactions to that. It's to give it a big hug, bear hug and embrace it and move forward with it. Or to be like, no, 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 this is too scary, I can't deal with it. And, you know, <laughs> the Stoics say look that problem in the face every day so that when that problem actually is there in front of you, you give it a big hug, big high five, and go, I know you, I've seen you, I've thought about you, I can work through you. Or you know, you can do the ostrich and put your head in the sand and be like, ah, it's not a problem, it's gonna go away. Nothing that is a problem will ever go away. So you might as well recognize it's a problem, embrace that problem, and work your way through the problem. And so that, that's how I face loss. That's how I face burnout. That's how I face, you know, I've, I've had some serious setbacks. I've had personal and business tragedies that at the moment they happen seem almost insurmountable. But I also had spent so much time thinking about the possibility that that would happen, that when I was faced with that, I'm like, well, here's what we've been thinking about. We're just going to have to come up with a plan and work our way through it.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. I I like that approach and and it goes kind of back to as well. What you're talking about is that, you you know, the the, your success or where you're at today is a sum of everything that you've done before. And so uh, once you've gone through a failure, um, it's a lot easier to face into the possibility of another failure and to to pivot away from that or through it or to end it completely or whatever, right? And so there isn't as much fear around it, just what you're saying about the Stoics. And just it's the fear that is kind of paralyzing. But once you've experienced it, and if you can learn from that, well, then it's just not nearly as paralyzing the next time around, and which allows you, I think, uh, to be slightly more successful because you're liberated from the shackles of that fear a bit, right? Yeah, yeah it's interesting. Um, one of the things that uh, that I also would like to to probe into a little bit is just you strike me as somebody who has a tremendous amount of interests and passions and, and just curiosity. Um, just in our short conversation that we had before we hit the record button and through this as well, uh, you're, you know, very well read and and obviously very interested in lots of different things curse or benefit right what, what how does that line up for you because i know that for myself i'm a very curious guy and i don't think i i actually reach your level probably and um i find it sometimes to be quite challenging because it's hard to be focused then of so course. yeah cursor advantage oh. for you how do you oh, yeah. how do you see it both. I
1: see it as both. Just like, um, to, to tie back into what we were just talking about, you know, h- how ultimately to deal with those failures is you're no more associated with your failure than you are truly associated with your success in business as an entrepreneur. So just like you'll have multiple businesses, you might have multiple failures. You won't be identified as just one thing. You will be ultimately the sum of your ambitions, curiosities, desires. And so the, the, the focus issue huge i definitely i you know, come from a long line i'm not personally diagnosed but i come from a long line of people who, who have been diagnosed with add and adhd um who can spend 12 hours staring at the same intricate five thousand piece jigsaw puzzle i can't do that i love doing jigsaw puzzles i love doing uh, travel i also um you know have no desire to hike the entire appalachian trail i had the opportunity to go to school on part of the Appalachian trail here and go hiking on part of the Appalachian trail. And that was enough for me Mm. to satisfy that little bit of curiosity. So I guess it's, it's the same as, you know, life is the ultimate all you can eat buffet. And if you've ever been to an all you can eat buffet and been tempted by the various foods there, you only need to go one time and eat too much and feel too ill to be to ever try and replicate that again. The next (laughs) time you go, you'll go, I have all of this passion. I have all this hunger. I cannot possibly eat all of these things right now. Um, You can't, you just can't eat it all at once. You can't live it all at once. You can't do it all at once. You only need a couple of times of overindulging of overextending. I've never tried to start two tech companies at the same time ever again. I only did that the one time I realized that it's impossible for me. There are, there are, I'm sure superhumans somewhere that can do it all go to town. But, um, I try and keep the focus by be, by being commentorial. And I think I put that in the bio. You know, yes, I love the the satisfaction of real estate development because I either take a blank space or an underutilized existing space and in it create something that is new and vibrant and interesting that might last a while. I love going back and visiting old projects and just seeing how they've evolved over time. Things that I have long ago sold, long ago stopped maintaining, long ago had any control over Lost all of the control, gave it away, and moved on to something else to see how other people have moved on with that and created spaces around it. Um, you can have all of these passions and all of these interests as long as you don't let any one of them completely dominate you. And if, as long as you don't let the myriad of them overwhelm you, you'll be fine. You just yeah. try and combine as many of those as possible. So, like, right now, the side project which is quickly becoming the main project for a, a bit, at least because it's in construction, you know, when 24 main is being developed in an 1860 building, that was the civil war recruitment depot for this town, Ohio. It was part of the North, the United States of America, not the Confederacy fighting to end slavery. It is so important to this little town that they built their war memorial across the street. And it's got the name of every soldier from this town that fought from the revolutionary war for independence from, from Britain through To the most recent wars that we've been in, those names are all engraved on some stones, and it's not a big memorial. It's not a lot of names. It's not a lot of stones. It's a really small town, but this one place is very important to them. To the point where every single person who's looked at this project has said, "Tear down the building, start over. It'd be cheaper and easier to just build something from scratch, build a new kitchen in it." What we settled on is taking down. You know, it was started in eighteen sixty. It's been myriad buildings over the years from myriad different government and private businesses and it it's been added on to it's in six sections what we did was we tore down the very back part the addition the flower shop did to enclose an outdoor patio and to put a roof over it and put walls around it that you know wasn't on a proper foundation was on a patio it wasn't properly insulated which i'm sure you're familiar with winter weather it's not doesn't work in the winter i mean it was yeah. unusable right it's just it's, it's pine pine walls and a window over a a slab this thick because it was a patio that part we tore off it's in the back it's not historic that part we built a new kitchen in. and then the rest of it we've lovingly restored and it's so you you honor tradition you deal with the values of the community around you in this case this community really wanted to preserve this building you talk your investors and your construction partners through this idea that you're not going to get to do the cheapest fastest easiest best honestly best solution in terms of just the goal of building a restaurant, the physical space would be best served by just tearing this thing down and starting from scratch. But if you have interest in history and you have interest in your community and you have passion for food and you love to see things constructed and you wanna see that something from 1860 still be there in 2060, then you do this, you take it and you rehab it. And you don't get caught up in any one of your particular interests or any one of your goals, you marry them all. And so if you can, Sit back from the mountaintop, like a, you know, the, the ultimate is to be a, to be a guru sitting on the mountaintop who can see all and understand all, you I mean, we're never going to reach that philosophical height in this life. Even the most enlightened Buddhist monk is not doing that. But if we can have just a sliver of that perspective and marry all of our passions, then we can pull off projects. And this is under construction. There are regular posts on social media. There is progress every day. We are working through problems on site and we are preserving the historic structure. We're building a new kitchen in the back. We're making the best of all worlds. And so that's how you do it. Is you just marry all of those interests you and you sublimate ultimately your ego and your own desire for control to realize that you are not in control of everything around you. You work with the people around you, you work through the problems you come across and you, you set meetings, you, you how you get focus is working with other people. That's why, that's why I think it's better to be, you can be the most entrepreneurial person in the world, but to be the most successful, I think you really need to integrate yourself with others, have co-founders, have key employees, have subcontractors, have someone who brings responsibility to you, who you need to set meetings with, who you need to set goals with, you need to set timelines with, if you have those things, you've been working on your own startup, you've been working alone, you have those interconnections to the community around you and to the other entrepreneurs around you, you will be successful. It will keep you focused. It will keep you from spinning off into, I mean, I could spend all day talking about the history of Amari of, of, you know, Amaro is a uh, bitter Italian here. There's a, uh, one of the guys working on the project who's a, who's a contractor who's building it, whose hobby is, is, is distilling these Amari and, and putting these herbs and spices into this uh, wine and and and, and uh, base spirit liquor mix that he he gets from one of the local distillers. I, that's his hobby. I could talk all day about. A month. <laughs> I'm I'm half Italian. Uh, you know, it, it's from my homeland. It, it triggers my food passion, my drinking passion, my travel passion, my heritage. It triggers lots of things. We could talk all day. We've talked for 45 minutes maximum because we already know that we're 30 minutes past how long we should be talking about this passion part and how much we should be spending talking about the projects. So we get back on topic, we get to our projects, we do our work. But if you surround yourself with other passionate people, if you integrate with the community, you're going to be the ultimate entrepreneur. Follow your passions. They will not distract you ultimately. They will lead you to the solution.
0: Yeah, yeah, love it. Love it very much. Well, thank you for sharing that and, awesome. and sharing just your story. And and I mean, this is just a fraction of it. We could talk for hours and hours because you have done so many things and and have had so many experiences and the lessons. And so thank you for letting us just scratch the surface of that. Definitely. If somebody were to want to connect with you, what would be the best way for them to do that then?
1: Uh, well, I go by my real name on all things social media and on LinkedIn. So Jess, J E S like Sam, S like Sam, McCarter, M C C A R T E R. I've got jessmccarter.com. They're welcome to do that. I have, I use a great not for profit called Gated. So I'm happy to put my email address out there. Um, my two major companies right now are Base 86. So it's J E S S at base86.com and uh, J E S S at 24newalbany.com. That's the restaurant um and then you know at 24 uh new albany and at base 86 or at base 86 app app on on a couple of the social media sites because there is some at base 86 competitor i don't know why the name is so specific and so not related to what we do right now in healthcare supplies it started uh, before the pandemic as a restaurant supply chain optimization company we launched uh, our live product in february 2020 and um, by June of 2020, uh, we would lost half of our paying customers. They gone out of business because the restaurant industry was decimated yeah. by yeah. the crisis. And so we said to our pool of investors, "Can anyone else name any other marketplace that has an oligopoly of suppliers, mm-hmm. at least 50% independently owner-operated business where the owner has got so much technical knowledge in their head that they don't have the time to buy all the supplies they need to do the specialized thing they do?" something like a chef in a restaurant, but it's got to be different. It's got to be something that will definitely be open through this healthcare crisis. And two of our investors shot their hands up so fast that their arms almost came off their shoulders and said, hello, healthcare. I'm a, I'm a dentist. I'm a doctor. You can do healthcare supply chain optimization and you will have all of the above criteria. And and if you start with dental and then move on to healthcare overall, you'll start in a 50% owner operated marketplace and then move on to a marketplace at least in the the united states of america but uh, uh coincidentally um at the last trade show i was at in chicago i met three different canadians who are trying to expand into the u.s market and they invited us up apparently even though there's a lovely national health care system in canada the dental market still has a lot of independent um, operators yep. in canada, and so they've invited us up to to do a north american expansion so number one international expansion request and the first one that base 86 will do will be to move up from the u.s to canada we're really excited about it yeah,
0: yeah. Dentistry is the has always been a private yeah. uh, medical, um, I guess, arm of the medical system here in Canada, and so yeah, there's this misnomer that everything is is under the umbrella of the social net, but right, but uh, not dentistry. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Excellent, interesting. Well, thank you again. I really appreciate it, Jessa. Uh, it was uh, fascinating to meet you and to chat with you and. And uh, for those who are listening to this episode, if you like this episode, you want to check out some other uh, stories of entrepreneurs who, who, you know, have been in the trenches doing the things that you're doing or trying to figure out or have have walked the path before you uh, head over to amplifyyourbusiness.ca and you're going to see a ton of uh, interviews in that archive. And obviously, if you um, are, you know, searching for the podcast, the audio version only, just go to your favorite podcasting platform and search amplify Your Business. And we're in all of those places as well. Excellent. So thank you again, Jess, I really appreciate it. And we're gonna have to have you come back. We'll talk a, a part two after the right. restaurant is open yeah. and see what kind of crazy adventures you're already, uh, you know, started up again since the time that we've talked to you now. So well, thank you, you, I really appreciate it.
1: You know, Lance, you're really good as an interviewer, extracting lots of asking excellent questions, making uh, tangents come together. Um, I think uh, I'm I'm certainly just from this one conversation I've listened to a few recent episodes before um, taping with you but I want to go deeper in the archives and hear some of the, the backstories and see how that can improve my business and my life I mean you you really do draw a lot out of people this is this was like a, a therapy session except better
0: <laughs> yeah just lay down on this couch here yeah <laughs> Pleasure. And- And I did want to wrap it up by saying you guys, everybody heard it here first. I I don't think uh, I've heard anybody ever talk about it in the same way that you did in terms of that, the sum of all of the parts, not just the business experiences that we have. It's the life experiences, the travel experiences, the relationship experiences, everything. The sum of all of that is what makes us as entrepreneurs. And I loved, loved that point that you made there, because that is the truth, right? We are... We are just an outcome of the community and the experiences that we Completely. are in or have found ourselves yeah. born into, and so no, it's really cool.
1: No entrepreneur is successful unless they create something that connects them, their ideas, their products to other people.
0: Yeah, you, yeah. you are
1: not. You can't be an entrepreneur in a vacuum. You're not selling. We, I, I invented the swell double double metal thermos mug for my tea and my coffee. I'm going to sell to myself. Okay. Well, I've got my customer of one, now I'm done. No, everything from a physical product to an idea, uh, from, uh, from a religion to, uh, to a sport, you know, we were talking about skiing earlier, all of these ideas are only as useful as how many other members of the community you can interest in them. So to to be interested in what goes on around you is to be interesting and to make interesting ideas, to be an interesting entrepreneur cannot be You cannot separate your business life and your personal life. You can't separate yourself from the world around you and your company will never be in a vacuum to be successful. You absolutely have to connect with others. That's why I jumped at the opportunity to have a chance to talk to you today. And I don't regret it for one second. This has been a fascinating conversation and you've gotten me thinking about business in ways that wasn't thinking about it before we started this conversation. So thank you Lance.
0: Awesome. Well, you're very welcome and thank you. And uh, yeah, you are one of the most interesting entrepreneurs I have had the pleasure of chatting with, Jess. So thank you very much for that. Until next time, everybody have a prosperous day. Thank you very much.